Well, amen. Take your Bible. Let's go to the book of Acts in chapter 18 for a few moments together today. Good to see these uh, young people up here singing with these other people. So, uh, amen. Yeah. Thank you, choir. Great job today. Amen. Orchestra too. Victor, you doing well? Very well. I'm telling you, that young lady playing that other thing, she helps us, doesn't she? Yeah. Amen. They encourage me today. Well, I got a word from God sitting in that chair just a few minutes ago. I'll tell you all about it next week. <laughs> I got something to do today, though. Can't go there. So, uh, but I'll tell you next week. Acts 18. I am, I'm pretty excited about preaching this message. So just turn your phone over. Uh, we're going to be here a few extra minutes today. All right. Not long, but, but I want you to stay with me because John sung us past my starting time. Acts 18, Paul has finished his second missionary trip. We were there last week. We saw that. And after the second missionary trip, he comes to Jerusalem, then to Antioch, and then he gets ready to jettison for the third missionary journey. But there's an interlude. There, there's another story, an illustration that God drives in between the first two missionary trips and the third missionary journey, there is a truth. And we find in Acts 18, beginning in verse 24, the story of Apollos, the making of a man of God, I call it. In Acts 18, 24, hear now the word of the Lord. Now a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus. And he was mighty in the Scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus. Being, don't miss this, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, that is back to Corinth and to, into Greece, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he was powerfully refuted, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Now, if you go on into chapter 19, it said it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country, and he came to Ephesus where Apollos had been, but now he's left, gone to Corinth. So Paul is not there. Apollos has come to Ephesus where Paul had passed through dropped off Aquila and Priscilla, and then went on to Jerusalem, Antioch. And then the storyline comes back to Ephesus. You know, the church needs spirit-filled disciples rather than unlit candles that look good on a stand but have no flame and give off no heat. Oftentimes we look like a candlestick, beautiful, elegant, but no flicker of flame. We need God to light the flame. Much was Apollos. He came to Ephesus 
a Jew, listen to what the Bible says about him. He was an Alexandrian by birth. That means he was from Egypt. Egypt was the scholarship place of the world. It, it was that one of the greatest libraries ever known to man was built in Alexandria after this time. If, that library, if we had that library, we would know things about the first century church that we don't know today. Evidently, we didn't need it. We've got all we need in the Word of God. But other sources would have brought things to us. But that library no longer stands because it was burned to the ground by a Muslim. General Omar, that the dome of Omar is named for. We conquered Jerusalem and built the dome of the rock that you see there. That's the mosque of Omar. He's the one who burned Alexandria's library to the ground. Apollos came from there. He was eloquent, the Bible said. Mighty in the scriptures. He had been instructed. He was fervent in spirit. He was a strong teacher, a marvelous preacher. But he had one deficiency. One deficiency had Apollos, and we find it here in verse 25. He was only acquainted with the baptism of John. Now, now don't miss this. There were people that had grown up through this time that had been baptized by John the Baptist, like Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, but others became followers of John. And they had their own sect of religion. They followed after Jesus, but they had not followed all the way to the cross and the resurrection. They just knew the ethical teachings of Jesus. And thus was Apollos. He was teaching the Sermon on the Mount. He was teaching the great uh, words of Jesus. But he was not giving the authority and the power of the resurrection and the cross of Jesus. We find other people like this in Scripture. Uh, Luke 7, 29 speaks of those who only knew the baptism of John. Next week we'll see in Acts 19, uh, Paul comes to Ephesus and he finds 12 people who only knew the baptism of John. They were John's disciples. They knew the teaching of Jesus but not the cross. They knew the ethics of Jesus but not the resurrection. You could say they knew the water but not the blood. They had missed atonement, resurrection, and the coming again. They, they were teaching the good teachings of Jesus, but without the power. And Apollos came and he started preaching. The Bible says in verse 26, he was speaking boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. It's not just the baptism of John. It's the baptism of the Spirit through Christ in His resurrection. We'll find that in chapter 19 uh, fleshed out a little bit more for us. And Apollos becomes the mighty man of God. What marks him? I want to show you some marks of this mighty man. Pray they be in your life. Give an invitation for you to come to Christ Join this fellowship and pray, oh God, send revival. What marked Apollos? Number one, he was a man of humility. This was one of the most learned men you would have ever met in your life. He was brilliant. He was eloquent. He was fervent. He thundered when he preached. Dr. W.A. Criswell, in a sermon or two, I've heard two of them, uh, speak, he said, the greatest preachers in the world that I would like to have heard, number one, 
Isaiah. He said the greatest preacher the world's ever known was the prophet Isaiah. He said, number two behind him, I would like to have heard Apollos because he's the most eloquent man. He, he, he would just, you could not stop listening because of the fervency and the power and the eloquence and the learning that Apollos brought to preaching. But he's preaching and Aquila and Priscilla, the tent makers, come say, can we speak to you? Come to our house tonight for dinner. The Bible says that they took him aside in verse 26 and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now I want you to notice something that they didn't do. They didn't confront him in public. They didn't write a letter and post it on the door. They didn't put it on Twitter or Facebook. They took him home for dinner. They sat down with the best they had said, Pastor, you blessed us, preacher, you or something. But can we tell you what Paul taught us? We're just tent makers, but we've got something to say. And this eloquent preacher learned from tent makers the power of Almighty God. He humbled himself. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 6, these were the two first verses that Jesus taught me when he took me to the woodshed when he called me to preach. 1 Peter 5, verse 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety or care upon him because he cares for you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's exactly what Apollos did. And you want to know if we're going to have revival, if you're going to have victory, you must come to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. I wonder why God took me to those verses. Why did God teach me 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 first? Well, because he had the most arrogant cuss in the church that he had called to preach. His junior heel said, I could strut sitting down. That's God's gift to your life. Now, let me tell you, you, you go look, you can, I, you can take you to my house. I got a scrapbook. It, it's still there. The last football game I ever played in, we defeated, upset the number one team in the state of Alabama. I was a quarterback, defensive back, kicker. Three extra points, field goal, made an interception, scored one pass run, or one touchdown run, and the other one throw. The next week, our local newspaper had my picture coming around the end, going in the end zone, and this was the caption under it, Pisgah's Mr. Everything. That's who God had to deal with. When you start believing what they put in the paper about you, you're dumber than a stump, I'm telling you. But God had to deal with me. And he dealt with me. He didn't deal with me enough to throw that away. I still got it in my book. But <laughs> just in case you want to come over and take a look, I, I had God had to deal. And friend, if he's going to send revival at all, if he's going to have to deal with us, we begin to think we're something when we're nothing. We think much of ourselves when we should think little of ourselves. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he might exalt you in due time. 
I stand here today as your pastor because on a given night, my mother-in-law drove an hour and a half and taped an envelope to our back door. I was getting ready to go to the First Baptist Church of, and it's none of your business. They ran about 300 in Sunday schools, a great church up in the state of Alabama. They had asked me to come be their pastor. I thought that'd be, that's the largest church I'd ever seen. They had a five-bedroom parsonage. It was the first Baptist church of a little county seat town. Had about 300 people in it on a given Sunday. And I told Liz, I said, let's just go. There's no need going to seminary. We don't need to. I said, what? It doesn't get any better than this. Biggest church I've ever seen. She taped that at the door. I got up the next morning and found it. She said, whatever you do, if you go to that church, I'll support you. I'll love you. I'll pray for you. But I want you to think about furthering your education because God may have more for you to do than you can imagine. I not only have that clipping of myself out of the paper, I have my mother-in-law's letter. God used her. We said no to that church and off we went. I would not stand here today as your pastor if she hadn't taped that to the door. The greatest joy of my life is to pastor this church. Outside of my family and the person, but I'm talking about in my professional life, the greatest joy of my life is to pastor you, dear people. And I would not have done that. I would never have been here had she not taped that to the door. It's a tough day when you have to say these words. My mother-in-law was right. I think it's the only time I ever said it, but I, I'm just telling you. She was right. Hmm. Humility. Apollos learned humility. Number two, he learned submission. In verse 27, he got ready to go across to Achaia. Achaia is the region where Athens and Corinth are. He was going to Corinth. He had felt the call to come from Ephesus over to Achaia, going across the Aegean Sea and being there. But he asked the brethren, can I and should I go? He brought himself in submission. They said yes, wrote a letter, and blessed him as he went. The brethren encouraged, and he brought himself in submission. You want to know why many of us don't have revival in our life, why many churches don't have revival in Because we've never learned to be submissive to that that God has put over us. And I've told you a thousand times, you'll never be over what God's put under you until you get under what God's put over you. Read Ephesians 5. It's all on one page of the Bible. You can read it all on one, never turn the page. God says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Walk in wisdom. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be subject one to another. All five of those commands are on one page of the Holy Scripture. Husbands, love her. Wives, be submissive. All of you walk in wisdom. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command. And be subject one to another. I can learn from any of these young people that were kneeling here. If they're full of Jesus, they can teach me. I can teach them. We must learn submission. Most of us, the only verse we know is about submission is wives, be subject to your husband. There's a whole lot more to submission in the Word of God than that. And here, Apollos 
submitted himself to the leaders and said, I, I think God's called me. Should I go? And they said, we believe God's in it. From time to time, people come to churches and we call them. We want them to find the will of God. Other times people leave. I, I had a sad day last week. John Huff gave me his letter of resignation, going to be the executive pastor of a church in North Carolina. He'll go there uh, end of next month. We don't like it. We're not for it. We believe he's out of the will of God, but he said he's going to go. <laughs> we love Brother John and his sweet family. But you know those things happen and they come, they go. And, and God gives direction when, when we're in submission. John's talked with me more than once about this issue, and we've, we've prayed through together. It's God called him, he called me. And so he gives him that directive, and he goes. Friend, we, we shouldn't make a move in our own lives, none of us, without we're under the authority of God. And we learn that through submission under the Lord first, those closest to us, and to others that are in our sphere of influence. Apollos, he wouldn't move until the church said, yes, go to Corinth. He, he was a man of humility. He was a man of submission. But now notice this. Thirdly, lastly, he was a man of unity. A man of unity. He, he went to Corinth, and the Corinthian church is the worst bunch of folk you've ever seen in your life. Divided and mean, selfish. Paul wrote two letters. And in the first letter to Corinth, he takes on what happened to Apollos while he went there to preach. Just listen, you got your Bible? Turn to 1 Corinthians. I want to show you just a few verses. Some of them will come on the screen. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 11, 12, and 13, look at this. 1 Corinthians 1, 11. Paul said, for I've been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Can you imagine a church having quarrels? Now, I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. Some say, I'm of Apollos. Some say, I'm of Paul. Friend, you shouldn't divide the church. He wasn't done. Look in the third chapter. You got your Bible, 1 Corinthians 3, 4, 5, and 6. Paul said it again when one says, I'm of Paul. Another said, I'm of Apollos. You're not, you, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? What's Paul? Servants through whom you believed even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the increase. Amen. But look down verse 21. He's not finished yet. Chapter 3, 21. So then let no one boast in men for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, that's Peter, or the world or life or death or things present, things to come. All things belong to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. He's not done yet. Look in chapter 4 and verse number 6. Now these things, brethren, I figuratively applied to myself and Apollos. There he is again for your sakes. So that in us you may learn not to exceed what is written. So that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against another. Hmm. They divided the church. 
I want to hear Apollos preach. No. I want to hear Paul. No. I want to hear Peter. Oh, let's let Jesus come preach. Hmm. The church, well, let me tell you this. Sometimes the people will divide up in camps about different preachers. And that's not good. And other times, preachers will try to divide up the church. Say, follow me. Don't, don't follow him. Follow me. Don't, don't follow him. Apollos planted. Paul watered. God gave the increase. God uses many people. And we come together as one. Your Sunday school teacher plants, I water, but God gives the increase. Tim plants on Tuesday night. Sean would water with men on Wednesday, but God would give the increase. Chad would plant with middle schoolers, they'd hear me on Sunday as I water, but God gives the increase. You get the picture? But if you began as a leader to try to divide up a church, then Paul may write you a letter. You don't want no letter from Paul. But there's one other verse I want you to see. Chapter 16, Paul's not done. And verse 12 of 1 Corinthians, I'd never seen this until this week. I'd never seen it. Well, I'd read it, but I hadn't seen it. 1 Corinthians 16, 12, but concerning Apollos, our brother, there he is again, Paul's writing, about Apollos, our brother, I encouraged him greatly to come to you, to come to Corinth and with the brethren. And it was not at all in his desire to come now, but he will come when he has opportunity. Let me tell you, friend, Apollos, he knew what was going on at Corinth. And when Paul said, come on, come back over here. And Apollos said, nope, ain't coming. Because I will not divide the Corinthian church anymore. It's already been done. I'm not coming. I'll come when God makes me come. But I'm not coming. Paul tried to get him to come, but Apollos said, I'm a man of unity. The church must be together. And let me tell you, friend, you have no business trying to divide this congregation or any other congregation. I have no business trying to divide one group against another group. The beauty of the church is that we are a lot of pieces all put together. Arms and elbows and knees and feet and noses and eyes and some other parts. Backs. I'm talking about backs. <laughs> Takes us all, doesn't it? You don't chop it up. I'm just going home with an arm today. No. Paulus plants, Paul waters. God gives the increase. He puts us all together. Makes the church, the church of the living God. People dare not follow one or another, and leaders dare not divide up. Many of you have heard 
the name Charles Haddon Spurgeon in the 1800s in London, probably the greatest preacher that Europe ever knew, maybe the world. He was an uneducated man, but he was brilliant. God called him. He's 14 years old. He wound up at the Park Street Church when he's just 19. He's had 100 people. He'd stay there 38 years. He'd preach to 10,000 on Sunday. They built a 6,000-seat auditorium. We were there not many years ago walking by what became known as the Metropolitan Tabernacle. When Spurgeon came to London, there was a pastor there by the name of F.B. Meyer. Frederick B. Meyer had the best church in town, people would say. But Spurgeon's church started to grow, and soon it surpassed F.B. Meyer. And F.B. Meyer, one of the great, great writers, Spurgeon would die as a young man, but F.B. Meyer lived to be an old man. F.B. Meyer said, it was the greatest day of my life when I stopped looking at Spurgeon as competition and looking at him as a co-laborer. And I began to pray for Spurgeon to prosper. He said, God changed my life when I began to pray for Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Spurgeon would die early before he was 60. The church would begin to wither. F.B. Meyer left town, but he'd been called back. And now his church began to rise because of the difficulty at Metropolitan. People began again to hear F.B. Meyer. And F.B. Meyer says, God had to change my heart to pray for another that I really didn't want to pray for. It's kind of like the way you're to treat your enemy. As Jesus said, don't just forgive, but then also pray God's blessing on them. F.B. Meyer began to pray the blessing of God on C.H. Spurgeon, and what he gave came back. So was me. We understand that one plants, another waters. God gives the increase, and after all, when we're dead and gone, it's not about us, is it? It's about King Jesus. Amen? (laughs) I stood right here after early church, and a little girl, she couldn't have been eight, I guess. I didn't know her name. She came by. She said, Pastor, I have a question. I said, yes. She said, what are the signs of Jesus about to come again? Like, who are you? Well, I began to tell her all what I knew. I said, is that good? She said, yes, sir. That, I'm glad to hear. Thank you. I said, if you ever have any other questions, come back. We'll talk some more. She said, I will, sir. Thank you. Just as polite and sweet and nice. And off she went. Oh, I walked back to the green room for just a brief minute. 
because John sang long in the first service too. I said, Lord, give us a thousand like her. Give us a thousand like her. Hungry, eager, wanting to know, sweet, polite. Did you know a Baptist can be polite? (laughs) We're not good at it, but we can be. And Apollos thundered, fervent, eloquent, brilliant, learning at the feet of the tent makers, submission to the church leaders, and saying, no, I will not be party to divisiveness. I just stay rowing in my lane doing my work for the good of the whole of the church. Apollos, a mighty man of God. People divide up, I like him, I like, no, 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 no. One together. Are you walking in humility? Submission? Hmm? You online with us today? You need help? Text me. 85050. Just send me the word Jesus. We reach back to you and help you. In this room today, some need to come just fall in this altar for revival. Some need to come join this church. Just reach over and take our hand and say, today's our day. And then there's one somebody, you, across that balcony, and these sides. You need to say yes today. You've understood some of the workings of Jesus, but you've never understood the death and resurrection. He died for you. He rose for you. He'll save you. Apollos came there. Many would say he was water baptized even there. We're not sure. We know the folks in Acts 19, the very next ones who said they came to the baptism only of John. They were quote, re-baptized. They were baptized in water. Maybe today water baptism for you like this dear man that came. Start this service. The call of God's in this place. Call to revival. We're going to pray this little song, Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh on me. If you need to come and fall fresh, you come. You need to come for salvation, you come. You're coming to join your life with this church, you come. Maybe you need to go across the aisle that way. You say, brother and sister, forgive me. Forgive me. The call of God's in here for you. We're on our feet all over this room. We're standing. Spirit of the living God, you need to come. Come on. Right now, under the Lord, under His broken altar, saying, Father, your way, your way. Amen. John's singing. Others are coming. You make your way right here.